in this episode. And where was I, it for those two hours? What was it doing for two hours? Exactly. Yeah. I said, "What's in that? What's over here?" And she said, "There's a there's a a, a chair there in the corner." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" She goes, "Yeah, it's my it's a rocking chair." I was like, oh, "Of come course, on, it's yeah, a no. freaking <laughs> rocking chair." No, 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 no. <laughs> rocking chair. <So. laughs> Welcome. You're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, Episode 36: Grief, Fear, and Therapeutic Writing with Laurel Hightower. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bannister. And I'm Chad Lutsky. And you are listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, part of the Project Entertainment Network. And Chad, as people can see already, right, we haven't masked this. <laughs> we normally would. We'd have like just the two of us and then ta-da, there's somebody. <laughs> this is really special. And so we had her on from the beginning. And so everybody yeah. can see we have a special guest, Chad. Yes, we do. We have Laura Hightower. She is a, a, an author and... Um, was it whispers in the dark it's her first mm-hmm. release and then most recently which is still it's like a year old isn't it uh crossroads yeah not, yeah, not quite yeah august yeah um so it's not new new but it's your most recent release that's gotten a lot of uh a lot of attention and uh rightly so because i read it and it's very very good i i really enjoy thank it. you very much and then you've got your editing uh anthology right like coming up yeah yeah um the dead inside I am working on with uh, Sandra Rutten at um, Dark Dispatch, um, and it's uh, it's an identity horror, um, and that is actually subs are open for that until August second. If anyone wants to get one in, great. Well, and we, by the way, Chad, yeah. I got to cut you off, man. Yeah, dude, you totally gave a review of a book on the show, Chad. You got to know, Laurel, he doesn't do this. I joke around about it. I joke around. I tell people to to mail their books to no, him. No, I don't want he no. wants to read. People, everybody, you've heard it. He does read books, <laughs> other people's books, and he'll give a good review if it's no. good. I, no, yeah, no, that's, that's no, I, I talk about I talk about what I'm reading or what I like. It's just, that's fair. Like that. It's legit, yeah. But yeah. It's no, rare. I just it's don't. rare, though. It's rare. I don't it's want. Good. Yeah, I don't want people sending me their books. I'm not oh, a reviewer. No. And you know, I don't like to be I mean, I, I have um I had a I had a hard enough time trying to keep up with the blurb stuff. Yeah. You know, like that's yeah. I don't like to say no, but I have to uh because I don't have the time. Um but I don't I don't say no all the time, you know. Yeah. But um yeah, I, I mean, I was ju- I just cleaned my plate of like three of them, and then got nice. three That's or four feeling. more, and then it's <laughs> like I don't, and you know, and I say the same thing. I I I will try. I can't promise anything, and I have to like it. You yeah, know, yeah, friend or, right. Friend or a friend or not, or, or even if it's someone that I don't know, and you know what? I'll I'll tell you this. I just did do a blurb, and it was so freaking good. And I, I wouldn't mind saying something right now that I that I it's a collection that's coming out by uh, Eric LaRocca. Oh God, I bet. And I oh, haven't yeah. read his. I haven't read anything except for this thing that I was asked to blurb. Is that and the I, one for Off Limits? Yeah, but I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> it is great, man. It's good. Dude can write. Yes, he is a he is a talented talented guy, and also yeah. just very very nice. Very good. Kid. Yeah, Very good seems so. 
Yeah. So yeah, Jeremiah, you stick it, man. I just don't <laughs> want. Hey, hey, well, hey, dude, you let everybody know that you've just recently cleaned your plate. That is a sure. No, signal. and then so I got like three more there. requests. Yeah, sending don't you miss right that now, part. Chad. You're no, pulling that, that bugger right now. They're like, Chad, yes, no. <laughs> I know it now. No, yeah, no, no. buddy. Oh, you're toast, dude. You're toast. No, but yeah. speaking of reading, I, I I did want to talk about what I was reading. I'm, and I don't think I showed this last week or the week before but i have maybe i did i have this oh nice the new uh joel anstale and is that an arc or did he is that no uh it's is the... it is it already out is it like already out? no it comes out the 21st i think you oh, fancy okay. pant guy dude you're <laughs> he's like no it hasn't come out i'm just gonna <laughs> no big no. deal yeah, no. <laughs> i just have a joel lansdale book nobody can get yet don't worry about no it's it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's not yeah. an arc, which makes it, I guess, uh, even cooler, right? Yeah, because it's not got that you know little band on it that says. But Joe's so freaking good, man. Mm -hmm. I'm halfway through, and it, it is so. I love that dude's writing, and it's without him, my own stuff would just it would sound completely different. If my uh, my voice would it would would not be what it is, and I owe a lot of that to him. So. Make sure you get Moon Lake when it comes out on June. There you go. <laughs> June twenty first. Yeah. Great, great book. Lansdale through and through. So we're gonna, you know, we just promised recently that um, we weren't gonna have like these somber episodes anymore uh, because, <laughs> because a couple yeah. of them, <laughs> a couple yeah. of them got really always dark. Your fault, dude. <laughs> your picks my picks can be fails your picks are like tear jerkers dude. that's true because i picked they paddleton are. yeah i picked paddleton, picked paddleton yeah and that was really that was a dark episode and then i'm the one who's like let's talk serial killers and empathy <laughs> and then that got really dark <laughs> and, and it then, just started didn't wasn't it just originally just to talk about serial killers but the empathy part kind of developed through the conversation well, it's serial killers and like lack of empathy yeah, and lack of empathy, and then it turned into empathy and stuff, and then it just yeah. got it got real heavy and real serious, and and yeah, dude, that's and so how we're talking I'm, today you know, about something a little bit more serious. But I like that, dude. It's how yeah, my I books, like that. It's how all my books start anyway. I'll yeah. write yes, them, and I'm by the, by the end, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and all everybody's crying. They're like, Chad, lucky. Why? I, have, I have apologized so many times for releasing Crossroads <laughs> in a pandemic. Like, and everybody I know in real life, like, I heard you know the book came out. I'm like, Shh, no, not right now. It's not a good time. <laughs> I suggest yeah. that you, you know, I think you should watch something on Netflix. Yeah. Um, and Turn just, on some Family Guy. Yeah. Come to me. Come to me <laughs> later. Yeah. Oh, I laugh a little. Yeah. 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 But. So yeah, here I am again posing yeah. a uh, conversation that's <laughs> it's going to get dark, I suppose. Hopefully, we can just laugh through it. I, I don't know how, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm an inappropriate begin, laugher. But... Yes, I'm, I'm right on board with talking <laughs> out. <laughs> so. But oh, and yeah. it's funny. I was earlier. I was like, um, I was thinking, you know, um, maybe I should like. Uh, we've so we've got this theme discussion tonight. I should like dress appropriately. I should get like, what's the like most depressing shirt I have. And I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, I need to go change shirts and just put the most depressing shirt I, I, that I, that I can grab out of the, you know, 200 that I have in my dresser. And then I realized I've already got a cure shirt on. So there you Oh, you're um, set. Oh yeah, bro. Yeah. I might yeah. as well just uh, keep it on, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I dress for the occasion without even knowing it. And I'm dressed oh. like Miami vice. 
I mean, I've got like, I've got like the teal and the pink. I mean, come on, man. You know, I, the comic I, was, relief. I was, yeah, I'm the comic relief, dude. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna work. Well, this is my crying sweater. So that's your so crying, that's your crying sweater. <laughs> yeah. I just want to, I want to be part of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how to start this, so I'll just, I'll just tell you what, why, I, why I thought this was a good idea to talk about, particularly with the three of you. Um, cause that's what we're trying to do is not only have, you know, uh, just discussions as opposed to interviews, but, um, stuff that's, uh, appropriate for that person, you know, not just throw them through for the guests, not just throw them into something that they don't know anything about. And, uh, Laurel, you just, you, it was, you as you were just talking about, you just released uh crossroads is like a tearjerker. <clears throat> it's very heavy on, on grief. And uh, I wrote some stuff like that, probably most notably as far as like grief uh, during the sheets. And then um, Jeremiah, his his thing is not published and he's been writing it for a while. And one, I think one of the reasons other than procrastination, why it's taking him so oh. long is because, <laughs> yeah. is because it's Ugh. so, it's so personal. And as yeah, yeah. regular listeners might know, Jeremiah, yeah. uh, teenage daughter um, passed away from a, a, a horrible battle with, with brain cancer. Yeah. And so he is, um, would you say dramatizing or not fictionalizing? Yeah. But yeah. It's novel- like, well, it's Gonzo the, in the original sense of Gonzo. Right. Okay. Like Hunter S. Thompson Gonzo. And so okay. it's um, fantastic. Right. So it, mm-hmm. it's it, you fantasize. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of uh, fictionalized a little bit. And so we keep the basic core of things. Um, but so it tells the truth, but it's not entirely factual. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So yeah. and for the sake of stories, I mean, anyone who knows stuff with, you know, uh, stories when kids have brain cancer and they're amazing, fabulous kids. There's like a gazillion people and that doesn't play very well for writing a book. It's like, how many people are in this? And so it, it would get chaotic because it is chaotic. And so you have yeah. to kind of take some things out and, and feel okay putting multiple voices into one person. Um, and you just have to, you have to do that for the sake of the story. Uh, but it tells the truth. And so there's no, I'm not forcing words into anybody's mouth. And I actually try really hard to, to rely almost entirely on things that we know that she said. Um, and the way that she said them and when she said them and where. Uh, but at the same time, I wasn't walking around with a recorder all the time. Right. And so, but yeah, I, it's stuck. A little bit of procrastination. I can eat that crow. But it's also, <laughs> man, that I've written all of the parts that don't devastate me. And mm-hmm. and it, I got to the the parts, the couple, the, the number of chapters that are literally the most painful things in the world. They're the, they're the worst memories I have and things that I wish I could just erase and make, I wish I could have a magic wand and make it all go away and that it could go back to the way it was. And I can't. And so I recently, and I I won't go on any further than this, just to say, I, I overcame some of that by watching some of, in fact, every video I had of the last three days of her life. Um, She was in a coma. And I watched it all and I watched it because people just gave me videos. They would come over. We had hundreds of people in our home and stuff. And so um, I watched tons of videos and I made this video that I don't share with. I think there's nine people who've seen it on the planet. And I made this kind of mini movie out of it with music and everything is beautiful. Um, The greatest thing I've ever made. (laughs) I can't share publicly, 
because uh, she dies in it. Um, yeah. But then I, I took that and I realized I'm like, that tells the story of that, of, of the worst part for me, the absolute worst thing of the chapters that I have left. And I said, I'm going to write this. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to I'm going to face the, the beast here. And I did. I looked into that abyss. I stared into it and I came out victorious. And I have actually people can hear the chapter, which I wrote as a poem in the form of Dante's Inferno. Um, the style, which is like the hardest format for uh, rhyme and meter for in the English language. And I did it, man. And I, and I, I made it the number of lines that it took, uh, the number of lines equaling the number of steps that I took with her in my arms as I carried mm. her to the hearse in the, in the, in the road. That's and beautiful. so that's, that's I wrote beautiful. it. It's available online. People can see it. I think it's only on Telegram because it has copyrighted music on it. Um, but, but I know what, so, so yes. So long story short, I know what it's like. To, to have to write something and, and use that um, and, and to, to see the benefits and the difficulties, right? The potentials and the pitfalls of, of writing about something that is tragic and traumatic and yet still see even through the tears to be able to see that it's therapeutic somehow and mm -hmm. cathartic, right? That's, yeah, that's one of the first things I want to talk about was um, that type of writing being therapeutic. Now, um, and I, I, I wondered before I did it if it was or if it was if it kind of um, would do the opposite, like uh, shake the hornet's nest, you know. Mm. And when I um, the, the two things I fear most are uh, going insane, like losing my mind and uh, losing my wife. Yeah, I mean, my kids are up there, too. But um yeah, losing my wife. I mean, we you know we've been together uh, thirty years this this month, and it's a lot of memories. You know, three decades it makes me feel like an old man. And um, I just uh, she's you know she's such a big part of my life. And the 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 other fear, the going insane part. I tried to challenge like maybe like five or six years ago. I wrote a story about a guy who's losing his mind because he is not sleeping he's uh oh. deprived himself of sleeping and eating because of uh an abscess tooth mm. and so in the process um i i haven't been to a point where i'm seeing things or hearing voices or anything like that but i've felt the pull of like unusual anxiety or depression or stuff because of lack of sleep so i i i, I felt that kind of like irrational pull of you know, it's like, man, I'm sure when I go to sleep, I will feel better. And sure enough, it's like eating when you're hungry and then, in, you know, and your blood sugar's off or something like that. And then as soon as you eat, you're just better. And, and yeah. sleep works the same way. But if you don't, and the story is about this guy, and he ends up pulling a tooth out uh, and then another one and then another one and feeding it into a bathroom drain and at a truck stop and then trying to make sense of everything he's doing, um, and none of it makes sense that he's doing this. And then he ends up tearing his fingernails off and, and stuff uh, and feeding him into this drain. Cause he's convinced that there's something down there that needs them. And it's just from a weakened mind. And when I wrote it, I felt really uncomfortable because I was facing this, uh, you know, maybe it's an irrational fear. I don't know of some, uh, of, of someone losing their mind. And, as I was writing it, I was like, this is either going to scare me or it's going to be, it's going to be therapeutic for me. 
And at the time I didn't like writing, um, about that deep of psychological things. And, um, so I didn't like the process. And then in the kind of in the middle of it all, I started getting, uh, insomnia, which I'd never had in my entire life. Oh no. And so that scared me. I never experienced that. I just could not sleep. Um, and I think it was because I had this publishing opportunity come up that looking back in hindsight, such a small milestone, but at the time when you're kind of, things are new and you just get so excited about something. And I think that may have affected my sleep because I was just so excited about this thing and this opportunity. And, um, but I think that it, I, I, looking back, I think that, 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 that it was therapeutic. But like I said, I was afraid that it was going to shake some kind of hornet's nest and then I it would make me more sensitive to that fear because I was um, entertaining it more. Yeah. And so um, with that in mind and, 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 and then dealing with grief, because we're all afraid of our, our biggest fear probably is losing a loved one. Um, so with that in mind, uh, do you think that... Um, do you find that writing about it has been uh, like therapeutic? Like if you had like Laurel, if you haven't uh, lost a child, obviously that's uh, one of your biggest fears ever, Yeah. but you, but you wrote about it. Yeah. So did you, so, so you were facing this fear. So did you find that that was therapeutic and that it helped tame that fear? And, and not to say that you have an irrational fear that you think about it all the time, but do you think that it, that it helped to write about it um that's an interesting one particularly with with respect to the ages of the mm-hmm. kids involved because um uh trey the the subject there chris's son who dies is in his early 20s mm-hmm. and uh, i have a stepson who is uh he'll, he's getting ready to turn 26 but around the time i was writing this, this is you know and it's not at all based on him but um yeah. as he was doing things that young young men will do that terrify their parents and people yeah. who love them. Um, okay. You know, we definitely had a few moments where we got a knock on the door that we thought was gonna be a lot worse than it was. And yeah. um, you know, so that was definitely a fear of mine uh, at that time. And, um, it, but it's like, and it's not that it's, it's not that it's not the same thing because I don't think it matters what age your child is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I'm 80 and, you know, tiny is, I can't do math, forties yeah, or wh- whatever, however old he is then, like if, if he were to pass away before me, like, I think that would destroy me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not a matter of like, oh, he's small and cute now and, you know, or he's helpless or he's whatever. It's like, you've, you've put all this into creating this person and guiding them. And, and I just don't think that it's ever like, ah, well, it's, it's not that bad if they're, you know, 22 Um, but I writing about that was actually something I was very afraid of. I didn't. And, and this is part of it is superstition. Honestly, it's interesting because when you mentioned that when you were writing about, uh, you know, the guy having insomnia and you, you stop being able to sleep, like there is a part of me that's like, if I say its name, it's going to notice me, you know? Right. And I just, I didn't want to poke that bear at all. Like, I was just like, I'm going to, you know, I know that this is something that happens and I'm going to go through life like this, you know, mm-hmm. as much as I can. Um, and I, you know, 
I think I, I think a lot of what I focused on kind of what was, uh, what got me into the mindset for this character anyways, was not the moment, not the act of it, not the loss itself, but everything after, mm-hmm. uh, how you continue to exist, yeah. um, how your life looks after that. Do you have the courage? Do you have the, the will or desire to keep putting one foot in front of the other? Um, mm-hmm. And, and so that's a lot of what I explored. Um, and I think maybe in some ways that that was therapeutic to a degree, because it, it made me see through, through my character's eyes, like, well, what, you know, what do you do? Uh, what is, what does your life look like? And, you know, if you, if you do keep going, is there, is there purpose, you know, how, how, how does it end up looking? And I, I do think that that was something that was, you know, useful to explore. Uh, for sure. And, and, um, it, it, it's something that I'm no longer afraid to write about. I'll say I, I have been, uh, very careful not to tap into that well again, you know, cause I feel like that's like, I don't want to become the person who just writes about, you know, that particular subject. And I feel yeah. like I've like hit, you know, where I've wanted to on that, but it is, it's a little bit, um, uh, you know, when you, when you think about not wanting it to notice you too, like, so my, my big thing was, 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 uh, having a really, really hard time getting pregnant. Um, and it took three years and it was absolute hell. Uh, and it just got worse and worse and worse and was so upsetting and was just awful. And I wrote a lot back then because it was all I really felt okay doing. I didn't want to go anywhere. I don't want to see anybody. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, it's the one thing you don't want to hear about. And so absolutely everyone you meet is going to talk about it, you know, incessantly. Uh, So I wrote a lot um, about it and I was afraid. And when I was writing, I didn't want to address it. Um, But then I just did. I just was like, you know what? No, I'm going to make this happen the way I want to have it. Or I want to, you know, I just want to address it basically. And, Mm -hmm. and that for me was very like, I don't know. It, I guess in a way it kind of like got me on the train of like, you don't, you don't uh, you don't get rid of the weeds in a garden by ignoring them. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I'm glad I'm not alone with the the whole like suspe- you know the the um, <laughs> superstitious stuff because it, sometimes when I'm writing a story or a book or whatever, it feels like I've got this voodoo doll in my hands. And <laughs> if I name a character that's going to die, someone yeah. I love, that they're going to die. This, yeah. this thing's going to happen to them. It's so ridiculous. And I've I've seriously like been like, oh yeah, I'll name them this. But don't they die? Yeah, that, that's right. They don't, or they die. Yes. I'm, I'm not writing. I'm. That's not going to be their name. Yeah. But did you um, did you find it harder or easier, or was it just different? Just purely different. Uh, writing about the loss and writing about the life after. And I I ask because um, the parts that I've got remaining are the time after. And a lot mm-hmm. of people would say, well, how is that the worst part? Well, the worst part was losing. Right. But. After that, it's living without her. And I've always wondered, you know, I, I saw a, a, a lady years ago. I was at a funeral, a good friend of ours, uh, her daughter, one, one of her kids. She had like nine, so she had many kids. But one of her kids um, uh, committed suicide. And mm. it was a really tragic situation. A lot of mental health things going on prior to that leading up to it. Um, and ended up, uh, I was at the funeral and and saw this moment where the the in a traditional funeral at a Catholic church, they come through the back, you know, almost like a wedding. It's kind of an interesting thing. And and you come through the back in the middle, everyone stands up and looks and stuff. And she saw, they opened the door and they didn't know she was right there. 
<laughs> and she saw this this uh casket and she, you know flip i mean she was just devastated and she ran and said my 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 boy my boy my beautiful boy and she she leapt and she jumped on this casket and just grabbed it and yeah. it was so painful for me i'm like weeping you know and thinking how do you how do you live how how can you continue and this was you know about 10 years before i had to experience it myself and it was one of those weird things going through it of like you know and people have asked me that you know how do you how do you do that you you do a show and you're laughing and everything else and i'm like yeah i'm like watch the video where i read the chapter i'm bawling at the end like and i'm by myself yeah. in a room and i'm crying my brains so i can't even function i'm like yeah. i'm like you know there's it's so terrible but yet you were like compulsive waker uppers like we're constantly waking up every morning you know uh, we're back again unless we're dead we're, we're back and opening our eyes and there's another day and everything else and the world keeps going on and it, it's it's a really challenging thing because you live with that pain and yeah. and you live with it and when someone chad just as an aside when chad was saying you know do you find it uh, um therapeutic you know or or is it is it really difficult kind of thing? And I to me, when he said that, I said, I thought both. I mm. said it, it's both. It's not. It's a, it's a yin yang. right? Yeah. A terrible thing. Sometimes the dark is winning and sometimes the light is winning. And either way, though, in the end, it's kind of weird balance. But I was wondering for you as you're <laughs> writing this and putting yourself in the mindset of this um, and relating to it the best, you know, the, the way you do as a writer. Um, was it was it harder? writing that part or was it harder in a different way and, and, and if so how well that was really about all i wrote with it i started from a couple of years past the loss and um the references to it throughout are somewhat glancing uh there you know there's never like this scene where you're told in in current you know in in a suspenseful uh written way what happens to him and, and, you know, that kind of thing. It's more, but to me, I feel like that is how I would look at something like that. I remember, um, you know, losses. And I remember those, those moments where someone comes to get you or, or says they have something to tell you. And you just like, you have that moment right before, you know, and it's like you, it's like your mind takes this little picture and it's like, this is the last time I will feel this way. Um, and, you know, I feel like that is a lot of what I have done in situations of grief and what, uh, and it's, it's a defense mechanism. And it's, um, it's also just, I think, uh, in, you know, it's more like other members of like being there for other members of my family who've lost somebody, like when my grandmother passed away and my mom, it's like, obviously that's like, God, you just lost your mom, you know, and that's like much, much more intense for her than it was for me. It was terribly sad, but um, just, I feel like there's this, and you know, Jeremiah, you would know better than I would in this particular situation, but in, in a lot of what I've seen, there is this, uh, forward momentum and the sense of unreality in the times, once you get this strange mechanism going of, uh, funerals and, uh, wakes and planning things and filing for insurance and, you know, just doing these things that have to be done in the machinery. Um, and I noticed, you know, that for a lot of people, it was like, they just, uh, my husband's father passed away right before I had my son. And it was like, he just got up, faced it, did absolutely everything he had to do. And it wasn't until after, it wasn't until well after all that, when he got to, 
I call it like losing your every days. You know, it's, it's when you reach those moments that you shared with them that may not have felt all that special at the time, but they're not there. And I, and I feel like that is what I really wanted to address in the book was all the times that he wasn't there. And so in it, you know, um, you know, I've lived with it with a teenager and helped raise one. And I know how much of, uh, interacting with them is like yelling to the next room. You're like, do you get your coat? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so there's a way that you, that you would maybe just pretend that they were still there, you know, that they're just right around that corner. You don't see them. Um, so I'm definitely not going to say that the way that my character dealt with it was the healthiest way yeah. uh, that anybody could. But yeah, I do think um, I, to me, that seems like the most terrifying part. Although, you know, as, as you say, the, you know, the video that you made and what you experienced there, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, do you, what, are, what have you, well, you haven't gotten to the other part yet. So is that, is well, that what you're dreading more? Well, I'm kind I mean, of as far as writing it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it's interesting because, um, the, even just listening to you has helped me in a way. It's like, I'm starting to like, even think of myself and be like, Oh yeah, man, maybe, maybe the part you thought was the worst. Isn't maybe the worst. Um, when you were saying that the, um, the feeling of when they're not there, when they, when they were there before and they're not, um, yeah. there, there's a chapter. In fact, it's the one that I'm supposed to be writing right now <laughs> and that I haven't been writing. I wrote the, <laughs> what I said was the worst one, but I'm like, am I still skirting it? Um, and it, it's, uh, um, this idea that after she was gone, you know, someone asked me a question. They, they, cause I was doing these videos and stuff and, and talking about momentum, you know, we were still kind of riding this wave where tons of people are reaching out to you. Uh, and everybody's wanting to, you know, figure out ways to honor her in different ways. And I remember this guy asked me this question in a live stream and he said, do you still feel her? Mm. And it was the weirdest question to me. Cause at the time I was just a very adamant uh, atheist at the time. And to me, it was all material. And I said, well, yes, I feel her, but it was all within the context of sensory experience. I said, like, you know, I, I've got her paintings, I've got her drawings, I've got her diaries, I've got clothes, I've got all these things. And But I, I, I quickly realized after a while and people, you know, reaching out and stuff that that starts to kind of go and that eventually you have to go to that room and you got to clean it up and you got to put stuff in a trunk, you know, or a chest or the worst part, throw it away. And it was so hard. And, and eventually, you know, when I, cause that the day he asked that, I was like, Oh yeah, man, yeah, I definitely feel her. But I remember one day I woke up and I was really bummed about things. And I, I remember going downstairs and I had these balloons that were given to her, these get well balloons that people gave her when she was at the hospital. And uh, I had them in the room where she died. She died in our home. And so I had them in the room where I would go and I'd work every day. And those balloons amazingly, lasted a very long time <laughs> it was just i'm like what are these things made out of <laughs> like how are they still floating but one day it was just flat it was just on the ground these two balloons and i still have them i preserved them i threw away a lot of things but not those balloons and yeah. i i have them still but i remember how i felt because i realized at that point that i don't feel her the same way like when you know when your husband right or or kids are in a room and they, they come in the house you can sense it you know, um, and it's kind of like, you know, you look out the window and you think maybe they, they, they pulled up. You didn't maybe didn't hear anything. You just kind of feel it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or coming down the stairs, you can recognize the cadence of that. And you know who that is. And there's this feeling you have. I, I was gone. And so, you know, it, it was a weird 
insight for me, which led to terrible despair. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> once that hit me, blam, then it's like the cycle of grief thing. It's one of those. And next thing you know, I mean, months go by and you're like, what happened? It's a blur. I don't remember anything. And you snap out of it. But I, I, I know what you mean when you say that, when you say those moments where they should have been there and they weren't and yeah. how truly hard that is and, and how people may not, may not know mm -hmm. how, how much that is in someone's life. And they kind of take it for granted. Like, you know, you, you don't know how much you appreciate water till the well runs dry kind of thing. But or like when you try to quit smoking and you realize, wow, I, I light it up when I go into the car or when I eat food or when I wake up in the morning or the same thing with a phone. You don't realize how much it's integrated into your existence until it's gone. And yeah. when that happens, every one of those little triggers all the time. So that's, a, that's an awesome insight. That's an awesome and, and uh, just a, a degree of awareness that you had. And, and admittedly, I haven't read the book. And I feel badly about it. But now that you're describing it, I'm like, I have to read this thing. <laughs> like, like I, I need to read her. And so just make make yeah. sure that you're, you know, you're doing something cheerful. Remember, yeah. it's an incredibly depressing book. It's so. okay. Believe it or not, like there's it's it's one of those things, you know, when you've gone through certain things in life, I know it'll be depressing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's one of those things where I can say, I've been somewhere like that. Yeah. And I'm here now. Yeah. You know, and so and I'm laughing with you. <laughs> so so it's OK. And it's a book. And so but I but I, I, I look forward to it. And so but I, I wanted to ask that I was I was curious um, on your take for that. I'm really, really appreciate that answer. Actually, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. When I think about it, um, I, I'm a little shocked that that I even bothered to write um, something like stirring the sheets because I'm I mean, I, I wouldn't call myself irrationally afraid of losing my wife it's more of like a like i'm one of these people who you know okay i'll be home in an hour and then two hours goes by and then i'm like i'm not necessarily pacing but i'm i'm waiting for uh cops at the door you know and i'm like yeah. and i'm like yeah, yeah. things like that and it's just that's I, I, it's just how i think man and um i think because um, it's, so to even write, you know, to consider writing about a man who, you know, had lost his wife for, you know, after 50 years and to go through this, um, loss and how would you live? And you know, with the exception of stealing a body and, and spooning it, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I, there's a lot of me in that. <laughs> I can, oh. I can see myself, um, not touching anything, you know, in my house. Getting rid of clothes, dude. No, yeah, I, I just don't. You know, I don't. I, I wouldn't want them here. But at the same time, I would just. I would. I would. I would. Knowing me, I would make myself have some kind of guilt, and mm -hmm. I would feel like that was such a part of her that, um, that I that I wouldn't be able to get rid of it. You know, and so doing anything, something as as simple as like you know, literally stirring the sheets so that the imprint was no longer there, and stuff like that. So these are things that I thought. I, I could see myself and, and I know that when things go down, it's just different, man. You know, you try to picture yourself in a scenario and um, things diff are, are different and time doesn't heal all wounds a hundred percent, but time does certainly does something. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it does heal, but not, you know, you're always going to have these really deep scars, but 
Um, <clears throat> I think I'm like that. And, and probably one of the reasons why I wrote that in the first place and have that fear is because of, and I've touched, I've alluded to this a little bit, um, uh, before I met Mary, uh, actually several girlfriends before I met Mary, I was in love and, and she died. It was, and I was there mm. and, and it, it was a freak accident and it was traumatic. <clears throat> and, you know, it was supposed to be this, you know, we're going to get married kind of thing. And it really stung, but <clears throat> pardon me, it, it hurt like hell. Uh, and, but when you're like, in your late teens going through something like that. That's how long ago this was when you're in your late teens two, you know, spending two years with someone, uh, feel, well, first of all, it feels like a lifetime when you're a kid. Yeah. It just does, man. It's like, can you, because you know, it's like most of your friends have not been with somebody that long and it's like, wow, we've, you know, but now I have three decades of memories with my wife oh, and going through that. I re I recall, you know, we had, I recall having discussions, you know, what would you do if I died? Oh, I would kill you. Like this Romeo and Juliet thing, you know, I'd kill yeah. myself. Oh, me too. And then it happens and it's a different, uh, and that is how I know things are, are, are different when you are, when, when it happens And Jeremiah, we've talked about this in a way different conversation when we talked about like, what would you do if someone broke into your house would you, you know, what would you do? Would you just immediately you throw me go? under the bus right now, Chad? You're never, I, <laughs> you I, I'm, like, I'm like Mr. I'm not nice Guy right now, bus. and then you're like, well, oh. Laurel might not know. No. She might be like, what? He said he would do this? Like, what? No, no. Like, I'm, no, I'm like, a nice guy, I swear. No, like, what, like, what would you do? I just don't do? like would criminals. You... People come into my house, and I'm like sleeping. I don't know. Would no, you I'm immediately, like, you know, just grab your gun, <laughs> assuming you owned one, and yeah. just go for the head and shoot their brains all over your house? <laughs> or would you you know what what would you do or let's say you had a bat and they were not armed would you beat them to a pulp or would you beat them enough to stop them and it's like i know a lot of people that they're like oh i'd beat that mf or down you know and, and stuff like that and it's like some of these people i believe that they would um but i think that most of the people that are able to answer that question um they are jumping into a scenario that they haven't been in and that given the opportunity to be in that scenario, I think there'd be a different outcome. And we talked about how, yeah, Jeremiah, you said you probably kill the guy and I would probably go for the leg and say, please stop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I did say, I did give the, um, unless I knew that my family was truly in, in danger, then absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't even hesitate. And you admitted somebody. that you would, you know, do it with a, a mace because of the no. kind of gore fetish no. you have. And, That's not you know, what I said. No. And I'm like, look, I was doing him a favor. I'm just offing the guy. You literally want to see bones sticking out, you sicko. It's whatever no, weapons you have, man. I mean, you got a crossbow, you go for the crossbow. What do you got? You know? Right. But it's like, do you do you go for the eye or just the thigh? I mean, if you know the thigh. If you know the thigh is going to stop oh. them, and, and this is going to end. artery. Femoral artery. Gonna, okay, well, let's. <laughs> You're going to kill anyway. You, you two have gone dark. Okay. <laughs> All the listeners are like, Jeremiah sounds pretty good now. <laughs> if he, even if you hit the femoral right artery, even if you hit that artery, as long as they don't touch it, they're probably going to be okay. They just need to get to the hospital. <laughs> so don't pull that out. I, I'm going to say, I actually, I am a, I am a gun owner, but I am the type of 
I live in Kentucky for one thing. And yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I am the type of gun owner that if me giving up my gun means that uh, people are safer, I will be the first in line. I just, mm-hmm. I really like shooting my nine millimeter. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have, you know, done a certain amount of target practice. I'm a pretty good aim, but in, um, in a situation like that, I wouldn't think that I would be, but like to answer as far as like, not even sure whether you're asking me or not, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Uh, yeah, as please. far as like what I, what I would do, <laughs> yeah. I would say that depends on how much they scared me because oh, yeah. um, I think about how I'm in traffic, which I have gotten a lot better because I was definitely like an angry driver, <laughs> like bad, you know, but especially yeah. like when I had my son, I was like, chill out high tower, you know, like yeah. you just like, and I, and I also like recognize why people might drive something. Like maybe they have a car sick kid like I do, you know, um, but the times that I am the most furious in traffic is when someone like does something terribly dangerous, uh, that puts my child in danger. Then it's like, I go from fear to like, I will rip your face off and feed it to you. Like, just stop that car. I will get you. And so I feel like it's like one of those things, like if it was somebody that like tried the door, you know, like maybe stepped in and then left, whatever. Like, I'd be like, uh, don't come back. Maybe I'm going to shoot the wood just to scare you. But if they like, if I found them at my son's like door. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing the zombie double tap and then I'm probably going to shoot him. in the cross <laughs> the yeah. Like, you know, did you just come close to my kid? I, I think it's the level of fear that I, yeah. that I would feel that would, that would depend on, that would make me a certain level of violent. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I just think it's one of those things where I, I think that more people answer, give an answer that I don't know. I, I just think that I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I just think that more people give an answer that, that um, like a default answer that they think, mm-hmm. and that m- might not even be the the one, but I think it depends on the situation and yeah, whether you're fearful. I mean, I've, I've, I've done stuff where just sporadically, you know, um, uh, some dude messing with my daughter and I, you know, uh, threw him around a little bit. I would never thought that something like that would, would happen. You know, I'm not, I'm not really a, a violent dude or anything. And, but <laughs> You know, it, when, it, when it comes to like murdering somebody, I just picture myself like having done something like that, even, you know, someone breaking into my house or someone threatening me and then I kill them. And then it's like, I just, I, I would, I would probably, I don't know, man. I don't care. I can't remember what I said on that one episode, Jeremiah, about how it, something, uh, something about, yeah, p- please stop or <laughs> something like that rather than yeah, like kill, yeah. killing stop. them. But I'm like, no, it's not, dude, that's it's not going to happen. It's, I'm yeah, not afraid of, here, dude. Yeah. I'm not afraid of the yeah. person. I'm afraid of yeah. what, what it would do to me after. Yeah. You know? That's fair. That's very yeah. fair. And um, yeah. yeah, so I, I, I and I, uh, you know, writing the, stirring the sheets uh, and using the, um, you know, having already gone through uh, a, a grief that um, I mean, when I look at it through a different lens, a 30 year lens uh, with the, the same woman versus what I had before. I mean, it, it's totally different perspectives. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's all I knew at the time. Two years is a really, really long, it's a life. Like I said, it's a lifetime, especially when you're younger. And then, you know, never, maybe when, when, you know, my wife and I are old and we've been together for 50 or 60 years. I'd probably be like, remember back when we were only together for 30 years when we were kids, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's all about perspective, but, uh, um, 
I guess, um, you know, and I had tried to write something about the incident that was going to be this book. And I got, I think, 12,000 words in it. And I wrote the scene and I wrote it like verbatim. And uh, and then sometimes I read my stuff out loud to my wife. She's just my biggest cheerleader. And um, so I was reading it out loud and I couldn't even get anywhere near that part before uh, I couldn't read it. And then I, I haven't touched it since. And that was probably four or five years ago, well, maybe five or six years ago. And I haven't touched it since. And I plan to, but so I'm, I'm shocked that uh, I guess that I put myself in a position where I had to, to be in a headspace where a man loses his wife and is just absolutely miserable um, for a while. I mean, I, I definitely could wait to be done uh, writing it, but I was, curious about what it would do for me and whether or not it would be therapeutic or whether or not it would would you know feed that fear that I have of living without her you know and the fact that I even accomplished that I guess says a lot about it and and I feel like it was therapeutic you know I, I probably sound like I'm lay awake at night and I think about it uh, all the time and I don't. It's just no, that when, it's, when the question is posed, you know, what's your biggest fear? Or if I, you know, think about something like that, or even in when reading, I think I mentioned something to you when I first started reading Crossroads. Uh, it felt a lot like stirring the sheets because this was things that already happened. Mm-hmm. And this person was really suffering and they were trying to cope and didn't know how. And, you know, it was the same. I mean, they're they're two completely different books, but um, but that it reminded me of that, and it reminded me of uh, yeah, just being in that headspace and wondering, you know, trying to write that out and trying to be empathetic and what would you do and stuff like that. And I, I suppose it was therapeutic. I just wondered other people's experience, um, and if they found that, you know, therapeutic or not, or or because writing is. A, I guess for most people it's supposed to be therapeutic. We're horror writers. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, some of it is, and some of it just, uh, yeah. Put some images in your head. I do think it's interesting, Chad, because I was thinking, you know, when you were talking about your, your other kind of like fear with the losing your mind, you know, mm-hmm. and the way you described the story that you wrote about, it's like he had lost his connection to reality. And it was like, yeah, this belief that something in a strain needed this. I think that's such an interesting take uh, because in some ways I can really see that being something similar to what, you know, your character inserting in the sheets and Chris, to a certain extent, it's like, it's almost like this magical thinking a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, you're like, okay, well, if I, if I bring her body back here, then I haven't really yeah. lost her or there's some essence of her. And if I keep baking his favorite brownies and yeah. calling up the stairs to him and yeah. imagining that he's talking to me, then he's not really gone. And there's so much um, superstition and so much, I don't know. It's, I think, especially when you winnow down to times like that, when you are walking this tightrope of, you know, not looking at mm-hmm. the fact that you're laying next to a dead body, you know, or something like that. It's like the yeah. slightest thing could knock you off that, you know, view that you're kind of depending on. And I can really see, I don't know, it just seems very, very similar that that particular mindset in both, in both aspects. I can, I can really see that being very similar. Yeah, that's, yeah. 
it's it's just a way of coping and um i guess for you know in, in all of those instances that you gave and that's why when when i hear about somebody doing something not necessarily bizarre but like actually believing that in crossroads is a great example of uh, of this i guess actually believing that uh the ghost of their loved one is hanging around or talking to them and stuff I, I it's not my job and I don't care whether that's real or not because man, whatever gets that person through, let them have that. And I remember <clears throat> when um, I lost my ex-girlfriend, the, her mom really didn't like me. Um, and she never really had any reason to, I don't know. It's cause I had long hair. What? I, I don't know what, but, and then as soon as everything went down, I thought, well, now I'm going to somehow be blamed and but she just uh we got really close and she just adored me and we hung out a lot after that <clears throat> and uh mostly just getting drunk together and and you know smoking weed or whatever just trying to cope in our own way i guess but she would talk to me about you know do you feel her um do you actually i wrote a scene in Slowburn on riverside uh about about what i'm talking about right now do you feel her um, around you? And I'm like, no. And and she's like, well, she was visiting me the other day and rearranged the butterflies on the the butterfly magnets on the refrigerator. And I I had told her, and she would bring it up when, every time we would talk and stuff and hang out. And I just told her, I think early on, I was like, listen, I don't, I just don't believe in that. I don't believe in ghosts. But I I wasn't like trying to convince her that that wasn't, you know her daughter, I was just like, the, the, the conversation would get so ins- insistent, insistent that, I, that I feel something or why wasn't I? And I just, I was like, I just, I, I don't, I, I just don't believe in that. But I felt such uh, sympathy for her that she was, plus she had, she was already an alcoholic, but she had turned into uh, an absolutely raging alcoholic after that. And I understood that too. I thought it was sad that that she was basically um, just killing herself to live and and um, waiting to die. I think at that point. And yeah. so, um, but I understood that, uh, you know, my grief was on a, a different level. Uh, this was her child. Fortunately, they weren't close. They didn't even live together. They didn't get along. But still, you know, yeah. Um, maybe that was a whole other. Maybe there was a whole bunch of guilt attached to that. Now we can't ever, you know we were estranged now we estranged now we can't ever get that back and now there's so much lost time or whatever but yeah when somebody is going through that and they're dealing with it in a way that i supposedly i guess find strange based on my beliefs about ghosts or anything like that that is that is probably one time where i'm just like hey man go for it you know if that's it doesn't it doesn't really matter if that's what you've got to uh you know, try and hold on to, then even if you think you're talking to them every night, I mean, if it's getting you by, you know. Yeah. I, I always just kind of gauge it, but, and I don't know, one of the, one of the storylines that was important to me in Crossroads was her agency and her, you know, her love interest kind of respecting that. And there have been some yeah. people that have had kind of a problem with that. And I do, I fully understand it because everyone experiences the story, you know, with their own emotions and how they are. 
Um, but it's like, it's just one of those things, you know, I, I would always kind of, I've experienced kind of similar things to like what you're talking about, you know, somebody not only wanting to tell me what they had experienced, but wanting me to validate it mm-hmm. and say, yes, you know, I feel this thing. And I actually, I do, I, I believe in ghosts and I believe that I have interacted with them usually in very short spurts, very recently after they pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Southern. So maybe that's our thing. You know, our ghosts mm-hmm. linger a little longer, you know, do the Southern goodbye and then they head out. Uh, but, you know, in those sort of situations, like the thing that I kind of worry about is like, okay, is this, is this, is this getting you through or is this your new thing? Is this your crutch? Is this what you are, are doing to prevent moving on or, um, you know, finding healthy ways to channel this, but it's also, it's such an individual thing. Um, you know, who, who am I to even say someone should get over their grief? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a touchy, it's such a touchy, touchy thing. So. Yeah. That's actually, yeah. it's funny you, you mentioned that stuff. Cause I, I was, that's what I was going to ask you is kind of like, you know, talking about the, the aftermath of death, um, you know, and kind of the things that, they come about almost mechanically right um and and then after that they just kind of come your way and you you take you off guard sometimes and you're you're not expecting this you're not expecting that and i was going to say does that sim- do similar things play in uh with the aftermath of your book and that the the way that people have responded to you and the difficulties and the challenges and things like that and so I'm really glad that it came up because that was going to be my next question. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, what, what, what are your, what are your thoughts about that? And I, I knew, I, I knew where you stood on ghosts because I heard you talk about the movie Eclipse and how you got oh, into yeah. it. I, I listened. I did a little homework a little bit. You know, I'm like, I got, I got to, I got to see in here. Although I wouldn't have guessed you're from Kentucky. I, oh, your, yeah. your accent, you're killing me over here. I, I'm like, it's... I got all these friends from Kentucky and I can tell they're from Kentucky and I can't, I can't. Tell I'm from them. Lexington. So it's, it's one of those things that's like the, it's, we, I, mine will definitely kick up. Like if I, if I get a little mad or if I get a little, (laughs) you know, if I, you know, if you're telling a story, then it gets to like kicks up a little bit. Um, But yeah, no, we're, we're definitely more like the central Kentucky. We don't, we don't get to partake in all that. Yeah. Accent stuff. But you know, that's about the grief thing. You know, I, I try to say the same thing, you know, about like when I, people going through that, cause I have a lot of people reach out to me all the time, you know, about, uh, dealing with grief or they're going through a hard time. I've struggled when people are going through a hard time right now. So like mm-hmm. if, if they, if their uh, kids have cancer, for example, and they reach out to me and they're like, Hey, you know, uh, would you be able to share this with your friends? We know that there's a lot of people, uh, who follow you on this topic, particularly. Um, I, I have a really hard time cause I see those kids. And it just, it, it's so overwhelming. I, the empathy I have for them and for the family. Um, and so I find myself sadly being, I've been distant for a long time and it's been kind of hard, even with Make-A-Wish. Like I would love to help out with stuff to do with Make-A-Wish. I love the organization. The stuff they did for my family was amazing. I mean, it was just it, a life-changing experience, you know, we'll always remember it. And yet it's a really, it's a really tough thing. But there was, I try to, I try to do like you're saying, you know, like, letting people know, Hey, you, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel that way. And I, uh, it, I'm pretty hesitant to ever say that. I think there've only been a few occasions in my life that I've ever seen someone. And it was a guy who lost his kid to cancer. Um, and, but his, his reaction to it and how long it was and how deep it was and how persistent in everything 
and how it affected his other children and his his marriage. The divorce came about, which is common. Right? Yeah. It's like they say, you know, it's like 70 percent or something like that of families that go through this will divorce within like five years. That sucks, um, man. That's lame. It yeah. sucks. Well, it, it's so it's so devastating to everybody, yeah. the loss, and everybody's in their own world that it's it's really tough. But this particular person was like every every post, every day, multiple posts a day. We're talking for a year and a half. Um, and the other kids were like no longer ever being talked about and things like that. And and so it wouldn't be to say don't grieve that way or it, it, don't 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 feel the grief the way you do. It's it's you know even at that level you you're going to experience it in your own way. At the same right. time, I would encourage people sometimes to to manage grief differently. To say not to take it away, right? Let it let it thrive, but in in a certain way, so that it doesn't just go around like a wrecking ball and destroy the other things that you love. Because there will come a day where you're going to add that to it too. And you're going to say, dude, it's bad enough. I lost my daughter. Now I lost my, my other daughter and I lost my son and I lost my wife and I lost my job. And, and then you're, you know, talking knives to the wrist and stuff. I mean, that stuff happens. And so I'm really hesitant. Um, and thankfully most people, strangely enough, it's just like a survival thing, you know, um, a survival mechanism that, that people eventually get to that place where that sadness seems to be, and this is common enough, I can say we here, um, that it seems to be human, uh, that you get to a certain place where the sadness goes from um, uh, thinking about a person, a loss so much, to the guilt people feel for not thinking about that person like they used to. Yeah. And as often, or visiting the grave as frequently, or whatever, and, 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 and feeling like, how can I, how dare... I live this way where I'm going about and I'm smiling and laughing it up and my kid or my wife or my husband is buried in the ground and, and that's its own kind of thing. And so I don't know, I just, as, as you were describing that, I, I, I thought of those things and I, as I said, I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, I, I could anticipate even having not read the book yet. And I say yet with great emphasis because <laughs> I, this is making me want to read it now. I'm like, come on. <laughs> and, and I'm good with this. I'm, this is going to happen. So, but but to to hear what you're saying about how the people who've reached out to you and even respecting the differences, knowing that there are, are people who say, I don't think this is right or this isn't the way it is. And the way that you as an author that you rolled with that, even in the way you described it was really is awesome. It's encouraging, actually. Thank you. So, I I appreciate it. It's been and. Uh, yeah, it's and I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything for you. So, you know, so part of it is mm -hmm. is this objection a little bit to her choices. Uh, that she ends up making and, you know, how, how people go along with that. So, you know, again, that's, that's something that I respect if, if people, you know, don't feel like that is, uh, it's not my job as an author to go back after the fact and convince them, you know, oh no, this is, you know, exactly what it is, but, <laughs> but it is such a different, I, that's, you know, when you're talking about the guy who, uh, you know, just kind of let it take over his life to the detriment of his other kids. I feel like that's the one you know, and I, it's, it is utterly not my place to tell someone what's irresponsible of them in a situation like that. But I just feel like as a parent, your first responsibility for the rest of your damn life yes. 
is the kids and you, you grieve with them. You don't hide it. You allow them to know that it's painful, but you let them know you're still there, there for them and that they haven't lost you because they're grieving too. And they're, they're kids. And you know, it's, we walk them through this. We teach them how to grieve. We teach them how to touch those emotions and uh, not to close one another out. I mean, geez, sit on the couch and cry together before you, I'm sorry that no, it's not. And it's not like I'm like mad at this dude. It's just like, it. Uh, yeah, sorry. I've got no, a three-year-old. He's, le- he's learning emotions and it's just, I just want to mother everyone now. And, a, and it's, uh, I, you know, amen, it's a, it's amen. a problem. <laughs> amen, <laughs> it's a problem. amen to that. I No, I mean, it's true. And, and you're so, you hit it, the nail on the head, in my opinion, about this, that it's not, it's not telling that guy you can't grieve so deeply. Like, you're like, hey, don't let it hurt your heart that bad. I mean, it's, it hurt his heart. The guy's obviously devastated. And you know what I'm mean? the guy's, you know, just an example. But to say, right. but to say, yes, those kids, I love how you brought up, you said those kids lost too. You know, I remember yeah. after after our daughter died, I mean, we, we were very forthright with all the kids. They were old enough to, to have serious conversation, right? And so they knew like what's happening. They're not oblivious to it. And so we had to have really heartfelt, and I made a promise I wasn't gonna lie to them. It doesn't mean I have to be as brutal in, oh, in yeah. telling the truth there's a way to do that but at the same time and i remember after she died and after the funeral and everything else uh it was the week after that i remember we went out to this place to get some uh mexican food and um i was so hurt in fact my, my wife took a picture while we were there and you can see it in my face like it's like lifeless right but right. i remember the kids asking this question uh we did this thing called dude time where i i determined i said look we're spending so much time at chemo and radiation that I need to bring the boys out and I, I need to just take them out on their own. We do something that's just the dudes. Right. And we're yeah. going to have a good time. And if it comes up questions that they have, but I'm not going to just use that as a, another time to, to constantly, cause it's our life. It's in the house, you know? Um, yeah. And so it's, it's everything. It's what we do. So that he asked me, he said, are we still going to do due time? And I, I went home and I wrote this thing and I, I read it to him and I sat him on my lap and it was a letter to him. And I said, now more than ever, I said, because we, I know that you're hurt too. It's not just me. That's your big sister. That's the firstborn. She's the leader of the kids. <laughs> you know, she's the boss and by a couple of years and, and they all loved her. I mean, she's amazing and she's gone. And, and there's, I said, there's a great transference of power too with this particular child because he was the second born. And I said, they're going to look at you, dude, like you're you are the big kid now. And he's going to have to navigate that. He was able to get away with it before. And I said, but now it's thrust upon you. And I said, this is going to naturally just happen. I said, but I need to be there for you. And I I know that you're going to cry. There will be those days, not just as a kid, but when you get older. And I've talked to him about this. Even my daughter, I said, look, I know there's going to be days where something happens and you just start weeping and you're you're loved one, whoever you're with, that they're not going to, they're not going to understand. And they're going to wonder what's going Are you okay? And then when you explain it, that, that it's something that you, you go through because you went through it. And I said, you know, but it's going to start now. And so I need to be there for you. So I'm allowed to be a wreck. Okay. <laughs> but I need to be a wreck. That's, that's a controlled demolition in a way. Right. It's like, I, yeah. I, I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm strong enough that I can, I can wipe tears with you and have your head on my shoulder and hold you and say, I'm here for the long run, bro. 
I'm here for the long run, sister. We're together. We're in forever. And so unless you're that person, you know, it's going to be a real wreck. So I'm really, as I said, I, I'm, I'm grateful you, you brought that up and, and not just because I agree with what you said. <laughs> I, I do. You, you're very wise. <laughs> she knows Thank what you. she's talking about. People are like, Jeremiah doesn't, but Laurel does. So I, yeah. I wasn't wise enough to yeah. not wear a mascara though. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, no, no, no. <laughs> sorry it's okay it happens. no it's i mean it's it's all it's all uh, yeah chad talking about you know the his character and stirring the sheets and all that it's just it's hard not to like feel that empathy you know mm-hmm. it's a but it's it's part chad of what i've i really like about your your writing um you know because it's just it's this it's like this quiet humanity it's this it's this voice that doesn't tell you how to feel but it opens the door for you to like, I don't know, I'm probably bungling the description of it. Like I recently read the pale white, um, you know, and that is obviously, you know, you're, you're not female, you're, you know, none of those things, but, (laughs) but it's, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, it's just like you're able to open a door into these characters heads and like step into them and feel their emotion and just kind of transfer that. So it's, I feel like that's something that really comes across in your writing. It's like, is that particular type of empathy as well? Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. Um, we were, we were talking about, uh, you know, um, how or how not to, you know, like rules of grief, how to express your grief. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of uh, this really impactful scene in, probably the greatest TV show ever, uh, Six Feet Under. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but there's a scene in there where um, one of the main characters is that the the whole family owns a funeral home business. And so they're around this kind of stuff and and they attend a funeral. And the woman there is uh, Jeremiah, probably, you know, close to what that woman was doing where she threw herself in the casket. And that's what this woman was doing, just losing her mind and freaking out and making a scene. And people were all kind of looking at each other and stuff. And it pissed this one dude off because he was like, this right here is what we should all be doing. Every time, you know, none of this freaking crap where we're, you know, we're just our heads bowed, we're wearing black and the woman has the veil or whatever it's called and all this kind of, you know, we should be screaming and kicking and crying and, you know, pulling our hair out and, and jumping up and down and, Every, you know, that's what that reminded me of. It was a, you know, it was a pretty cool. Um, if you don't want to cry, don't watch that show <laughs> because <laughs> it is the saddest oh. show you'll ever see. Oh. Uh, and and but, it, you know, I mean, it's known to have the best season finale of any show ever, ever. But oh. it's a now I gotta show. now I gotta seek it out because. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you what, it's, I'm I'm not even joking. It is heartbreaking and so heartbreaking like my wife and i we watch stuff together and i'm the crier dude i'm like i mean I when i cry i don't like baby cry or anything i just i'll tear up or something and might have to wipe yeah. the thing you know during something sad she's just not like that and um except for animals if a dog dies or something like that you know oh, look out yeah. <laughs> and so um I I had watched the whole series. I think there's five seasons of Six Feet Under um, years before she, maybe three or four years before she did. And I was trying to get her to watch it. And I think she watched like half the first season with me. And then I just took off and watched the rest by myself. 
And when I got to the last episode, I mean, there were episodes where it upset me, but the last one, I was that I cried, cried during that, <laughs> you know, yeah. like a baby. I, it was ridiculous. And there's this song that plays that even to this day, I want nothing to do with that beautiful song because it's, uh, it reminds me of that last, you know, mm. that last episode in the, in the last like 10 minutes or something. I can't handle it. And so uh, a couple of years go by, you know, three or four years and my wife starts watching the show and I pop in every once in a while, you know, and she's watching it over the course of a month or two and she gets to that episode and I pop my head in cause I could, and I heard that song mm. and I could not even be in the, in the like room and then later, uh, like I had to leave because I started tearing up. I wasn't watching the show. I hadn't been invested in it. I just knew. And then like a week went by and I was talking to uh, some friends, I think my sister or something, and I was telling her about it. I couldn't even freaking tell her about it because it started choking up. Tell her about me laughing at myself about how I, you know, this stupid song and stuff. That's that's a every powerful damn I, scene. Every time that I, is a powerful scene. Every time I think about it, man, I, I almost choke up, but... Yeah, don't watch it unless uh, you're prepared to. Um, it's it's heavy, man. It's it's super heavy. But I'm, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I, I like the you know what he said about that everyone should be, you know, causing a scene at something like that. I read this really great nonfiction book called I think it's Traveling with Ghosts, and it's a, a woman whose fiance they were in their early twenties and they were traveling in Australia and her fiance died suddenly. He was stung by a, a jellyfish, a venomous jellyfish. And he died, mm. you know, right in front of her. Um, and uh, one of the most interesting things was she, these two girls found her on the beach um, and they were Jewish and they mm. sit Shiva. And I am not going to speak at all with any sort of authority on that subject, but what she finally gathered was that they, sometimes they screamed for her. When she wasn't, you know, able to, when she was numb, they would do it for her. And they, they didn't know her at all, but because she experienced this loss, they took responsibility for her. They picked her up. They took her to the police station. They were with her for like mm. an entire week. And they just fully encouraged that whole scream, yell, punch something. You've got to experience this. And I think there's a book that I'm writing right now that, um, I've got a line in it that he's the guy's a victim's advocate. And he says, Americans have grief all wrong. They, they, they wait until a year later and then they finally lose it, you know, and you need to mm -hmm. be screaming about it in the moment. And I just, I think it's, I think it's so true because even the phrase, you know, causing a scene has this connotation of like, I mean, if you do that at your own child's funeral, it's, it's like, there's going to be, you know, people who think poorly of you for it, who, you know, who are, who are judgmental and, and it's uh I don't know. I mean, how can you possibly grieve wrongly? You know, yeah. you can see that a little bit. I, it's powerful with the idea of Americans have it wrong, and you can almost get a glimpse of that. You know, with it, you take the 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 Bible or a Greek tragedy, right? So uh, uh, the way that Jews in the past uh, have dealt with mourning, where you'd have mm -hmm. the weepers and the people wailing, right at the mm -hmm. tomb. And you would have in uh, Greece, this kind of same thing, like you'd have the mourners, right? And you'd go and you would hear the wailing. You would hear that. And um, it was a very public thing. It was it was communal. It was a community-styled thing. Uh, and not just all individualistic and internalized and stuff like that to be fleshed out on your own later 
but that it was something that it's, it's okay to just weep your brains out out loud. And yeah. a lot of a lot of American people, not only do they not understand that logic, but they 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 kind of play into it like assuming that there's that, that there is a lack of authenticity to that. You know, yes, that, yeah, where there's That's a lack true. of authenticity, where they say, oh, they're 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 the people they're they'll even you'll hear well they're paid, you know, paid mourners and stuff, and so they they emphasize different things that de- deprive others of the authenticity of that because in our cultural expression of grief. Uh, we're individualistic and so, and suppress it. We suppress it and, yes. and then flesh it out on our own later and wonder why we struggle dealing with it. Yeah, we <laughs> like, we explode in I unhealthy ways a year and a half later. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. God, why is she still upset? Yeah. Our explosions are communal, right? <laughs> the, yes. the, the aftermath yeah. and the bad fallout is all communal. Cause everybody in the community is like, dang, this guy's not doing a good job with his grief. <laughs> and you're like, you know, we could have done that back there. You know, we could have we all just gotten out a good cry. <laughs> And it reminds me okay. of Midsummer. Reminds me of Midsummer. Yeah, I have yeah. not seen that. No, all yeah, those chicks, all those chicks crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still need to see that. Someone's gonna pull my horror card if I don't. Yeah, yeah. That's like one of like three that probably is required. At, at least you, at least you've seen Hereditary, right? Oh, oh man! No, your car's right. gone. Okay. Laurel, you're done. You're Thanks here's for coming my... on, Laurel. It was nice having you. Here's a, here's oh, my man. excuse. No one else in my, well, of course, my three year old's not going to watch this stuff with me. My husband despises horror. Um, mm. it, it's very uncomfortable for him to watch. I used to like try and make him watch it, like, and he would just like very nicely be like, "Okay," but I finally realized it was like physically uncomfortable for him. It made him miserable. So it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I get like an hour a week. <laughs> to watch what I want to watch. Well, then so you it's can, always uh, like in small. You know? yeah. So it'll be a three three week process to yeah, watch. Exactly. Basically, that's how I I mean that is how I do things. <laughs> I did I watched um oh a uh, caveat on Shutter. I want to see that. I don't know anything that's about it, but so I, I, good. I, I don't bother something. don't bother finding anything about it. It's I won't. it's 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 magnificent. But. Yeah, I, I I won't. But yeah, your husband will despise uh hereditary. Yeah. yeah. It's very, uh, it's heavy, man. I mean, even even without the horror elements, it's a it's a really heavy movie. With the the drama, the family drama within it is very heavy. But earlier, I said something about not believing in ghosts, and I and I don't. But I should mention that. Um, same with my stance on aliens. It's like I'm I'm like this agnostic when it comes to the both of them. Actually, I probably lean more believing in aliens, and, and I'm probably tipping over that you know, side of the fence. He is. He's going real quick, Laurel. Don't let him fool you. He's like, <laughs> when he brought it, I'm like, mm. <laughs> he's, he's but, start, yeah. the Ugh. ghost thing, but they're both top topics that really excite me. Yeah. And I find really interesting. And the, the prospect of them both excite me and, and scare me too. But uh, something about it, I love talking about it. And I, and I think I, don't I always try to sway the conversation to aliens or ghosts? <laughs> yeah, no, nowadays it's always yeah. Everybody, yeah. I mean, I grew I grew up wanting to see a ghost and terrified of ever wanting or of ever seeing a ghost. Mm-hmm. I, I remember even wanting to see one so bad that I woke up in the middle of the night and I was sleeping on the uh, couch, which my parents never let me do. And there was the hall light was on or something, and it cast these weird shadows and. And I opened my eyes just a little bit and they were full of sleep and stuff. So things were blurry. And I like, I, I feel like I forced myself to see a white blurry image on, on at the top of my stairs, just like all my ghost books where they always had the ghost like floating, floating down the stairs or at the top of the stairs. And so it's like, I forced myself to see this so that I could 
tell my friends, I saw one too, which I, I never said that, but it's like, I remember that moment thinking you just barely have, you know, when you barely got them open and, and, and all the lights and stuff look like just uh, furry balls of light or whatever. Yeah. Orbs, and, dude. Orbs. It's the orbs. Yeah. Well, the orbs, that's what yeah. I was doing. On, it was like, it was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. it's like, am I seeing ghosts? <laughs> so ridiculous I'm, so, I'm a subscriber to ghost weekly and dude chad they're on to you that's why they're not coming around they they know that you are a skeptic maybe that's a good like, idea like he's but, he's into aliens so blame it on aliens anyway we're not coming but around, I, i'll tell you something right now that happened last night um uh that i saw last night my son uh facetimes me he's like check out these videos i just sent you these are ripped from his girlfriend's um night uh, cam or whatever that they have in their house in their old house and so he's like it, it, he's like i already know you're 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 gonna like try to you know um what's the word i'm looking for Debunk it. yes yeah, yeah. Do you, I, and i said yeah you're right i am i'm gonna work hard at it so i i look at this video freaking creepy creepy and and I, i'm watching it and it's just very quick what happened was they have these emotion alarms set to their um, videos, the, the things in the cameras in their house. I think it's just one camera that they have in the living room. And it, it goes, you can, it shows the entrance to the kitchen, the going up the stairs and I think maybe the front door, but it's just the, the, this one camera and her and her dad were home. Her mom was not home. Um, I believe she worked third shift and at like three fifty, and then at like 520, something like that. Um, the motion things went off in the middle of the night, alerting them. I don't know if it alerted them then or if or if they checked it and then they saw something, you know, we, we've got these, these, you know, these things here recorded. Um, let's look at them. And so I saw them and all you can see is uh, part of a, um, on the first one at three something, you see, Part of a um, a tall figure, not real tall, you know, just probably five or six foot, clearly wearing some kind of like a nightgown, but the arm is not there and the leg is very skinny. You can just barely make that out and it's just the edge of it and it just goes around like out of just out of the kitchen is just it's just the side of it and then it goes over in the corner and then two hours later it comes back out. Oh my and you can God. see it again, and the in the leg, the bottom of the leg is very thin, and the foot is very thin, and it's very strange looking. But you can barely make out details other than the fact that the, whatever this is absolutely has a nightgown on. There's no question, but you can't see any limbs. But you can see, like when it turns its foot or whatever, you can see the nightgown kind of like wrap around the thin shin and everything. And where was I, it for those two hours? What was it doing for two hours? Exactly. Yeah. I said, what's in that? What's over here? And she said, there's a, there's a, a, a chair there in the corner. And I was like, Oh my gosh. She goes, yeah, it's my, it's a rocking chair. I was like, oh, of come course on, it's yeah, a no. freaking <laughs> rocking chair. No, no, no. no. <laughs> rocking chair. So, <laughs> was it granny's so, rocking chair? I watched it, you know, each, each one of these videos, they're like 10 seconds long, oh. but those, Parts are only like two seconds, three seconds a piece. So I watched them each like like 30 times, man. I'm looking at it and I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Um, 
I said, I will say this, and without, without trying to offend you, when you're presented with something like this, you, you, you're faced with you, either you're just going to totally believe that this is a ghost and believe this person, or the person who's saying this happened is full of crap or they're crazy. So I was like, and I'm not saying, you know, to, to his girlfriend, I'm not saying you're lying, you're crazy, but this is just my my thought. Like, I don't know what to tell you. If everything you said is true, you know, no one was there. You guys were in bed. These went off. You woke up the next morning and you saw this. I would never sleep in that house again. <laughs> okay. Because this was really, really <laughs> creepy and unsettling. And I went into these videos with a smile on my face telling my boy, yeah, I'm not going to, I'll tell you exactly what, you know, uh, give you an explanation. I had nothing, man. Yeah. And the, I guess uh, the, the mom got freaked out um, when she was there the next day. Obviously, and she, she was like in denial. She's like in denial yeah. about this thing. <laughs> and then they, every once in a while, they'd hear um, like voices. And, um, I, and I can't remember what, um, I was half paying attention at that point because I'm still watching this creepy nightgown thing. <laughs> and, and you're adding and, voices now. <laughs> bro. I should send you guys these videos. That they're you probably, know, put it on please the, do. Put I it wanna, on the video yes, I here, see. man. I, I want to get permission. Get permission. And we should put it on this video so so our, our viewers can you're, see. You're right. What I will. Doing. I will get permission to do that. You, yes. but they, yeah, they yeah I up, would watch that. They end up moving. Yeah. The mom was like in denial. She didn't really like talking about it. But after they moved, and, and the daughter, my my uh, son's girlfriend, um, she's in her twenties now. I can't. I think this was like it was 2018 because there's a stamp on the thing that this happened. Um, she started staying in her friends. Didn't want anything to do with staying there. So they eventually moved. And after they moved, then the mom said, because she didn't want to scare her kid any more than she already was. But she's like that terrified me, and I hated staying there after that. Yeah. So yeah, you, I I do have to show you guys these videos, and hopefully we'll be yeah. able to put them in the thing because that would be cool. They're freaking. That would be awesome. <laughs> Dude, we'd be revealing it to the world, bro. Yeah. 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 Oh man, that's he. He that did is... try sending it to some kind of like X Files type thing or whatever, and they're like, I, I don't know, you know, I I don't know really what we can do with this. That's, I mean, that's, it, that's tiddly wings. It makes anyway. sense. I mean, they could have just this. We're gonna share it on Paleo Cheese. I mean, come on. You know, yeah, we can, there we go. You know, <laughs> obviously, this is superior. it'd be easy to make a video like that and just send it and go, Oh, yeah, man, this yeah. happened last night at my house, yeah. you know, yeah. just total hoax or whatever. But oh, yeah. now creepy, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm always tend to believe that kind of stuff with the you know, with the caveat that, like I said, I've, I've seen things, but I'm, I'm also perfectly open to the idea that you know cross over to some afterlife and they'd be like, wow, you were so full of shit, Hightower. None of that happens. Like, good job. You know, well, that's a great imagination. But yeah, that was not. The yeah. Isn't that so. kind of, you know, I was going to say this earlier. I'm glad you just said that just now, like talking about grief, right? Um, that some of the things that in in my own experience, just bringing it back to that, like um, in dealing with it, there have been events that have taken place after the fact that were small little things, you know, like, the lady that lost the kid, the son to suicide that jumped on the, the um, casket, she was praying a chaplet and she gave me this chaplet. It's a, like prayer beads and stuff. Gave it to me uh, because she had this event that took place on her birthday where she asked God, she's like, look, I, I know I shouldn't test you, but 
I'm just straight up going to ask you for a sign. I just want to know my son's in heaven, right? She, you know, wants to think this. And uh, she said, I just want a, a white rose or something like that. And that day, uh, somebody came to her home and a friend of hers. And she said, hey, and she pulled out these flowers. And it was a big bundle of red roses, right? And she looked at it and she was kind of shocked. And then she's like, oh, and she kind of inside felt deflated. But she yeah. didn't know that girl was coming over. And so she leaned over to smell it and pulled it down and right smack dab in the middle um, is a white rose. And she asked, she freaked out. And the lady's like, she was really confused, this woman. And she's like, why did you, why did you get that? And the lady said, well, there was only one left at the store and they were selling it. Like normally they're, you know, for, for these roses, they'd be like, you know, two 99 or three bucks or something for one. And she's like, but it was like 99 cents. She's like, so I just, I thought it would look cool to have one in the middle of a dozen red roses and it did it. She said it looked awesome. It was really pretty. Well, she told me that story. And like the next day we go to this event and stuff and uh, it's a memorial and they're talking about all the kids and they mentioned my daughter and stuff. And they, at the end, they were like, yeah, and we got, we have all these flowers and the whole time I'm looking over and I'm seeing these red and white roses. that are like in this little bundle right together in this vase. And, and I told him, I leaned over to my son. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, as soon as it's over, you run. <laughs> like, you get those roses, like, stack, bro. I said, we are getting those for mama, like, now. And so he did, and he ran over it, you know. But but little things like that, that, that I know that some people would say, statistically speaking, it's possible that that's just a coincidence. In fact, it might even be probable that it's a coincidence. And I said, then sue me for thinking it's not. <laughs> like, I don't care if, if in the end, if in the end, you know, I go up to the great by and by and the Lord's like, hey, look, that was a coincidence, quite frankly. <laughs> like, yeah, I wasn't behind it's... that. I'm like, OK, you know, <laughs> it's not going to phase me any any which way. And I don't I'm not basing my 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 beliefs on that stuff. But at the same time, I'm OK with that, you know. And so those little those little things that I know some people could chalk up to just. And they do. And, and they do. Yeah. And that's OK, you know. Because I, I think that they that those moments are for the person who experiences them. I was just I had... gonna say that same thing. I you're, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> you're, good Laurel. you're awesome. Yeah. I, I always like... I always think of this when I was a teenager, yeah. I had this friend named Bo. And um I didn't know him very well, but there's a theater here that does Rocky Horror Picture midnight shows. And <laughs> I, we used to love to go to them. And I can't even remember if that's where I met him or at the movie theater I worked. Anyways, he's this great, great guy. Um, and he actually came, I had some problem with somebody coming to the movie theater bothering me. And he used to come to kind of like keep an eye on me and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I moved away to California and I didn't ever see him again. And then when I moved back to Kentucky, someone told me he had passed away from leukemia. Mm. And he was, you know, probably 19 at the time. And I, you know, a number of times I, I would just think like I didn't, you know, I wasn't really good at expressing like, man, you were a good friend, you know, like I wish I'd said, like, I wish I'd been more expressive about that. And I had said that a few times. So my husband started a new job, you know, this has been like a decade ago now. Um, but he was on speakerphone with me while he was like trying to tell me something. And I hear this thing and he says, Oh, that's my coworker, uh, Bo. He wants to say hi. I was like, Oh, okay. Hi, Bo. And he said, Hey, I just wanted to tell her that I love her, but she knows that. And this is a guy I'd never met in my life. And he's never said anything like that to me since. And, and I like, he's, and I was like, I don't know. I have always believed that that was my boat, you know, yeah. just yeah. like, just saying hi that way. And I was like, it was just, it was odd, you know, and I've, I've told that story to like one other person. They thought I was nuts 
and they also thought the bow guy was weird, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's stuff like that. It's like, if I think if, you know, if you take it that way, then I think that it's, it's done its job. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, yeah. I'm so glad that we, we're, we finished this on ghosts, man. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, aliens a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and aliens. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Laurel, if you if you you can have a floor, if there's something that you want to talk about that's coming up or or website, get people getting your books and and paying you some attention and all that kind of stuff, please tell us. Yeah, it's it's just it's the normal stuff. You can usually find me on Twitter. I'm at Hightower Laurel, um, and uh, my website is woefully out of date. But um, my, uh, my book Crossroads is available through the normal channels, but also directly from my publisher at Off Limits Press. Um, just always like to give a shout out to Sam Kliesnik at Off Limits Press. She does wonderful work and, um, she is a tireless, tireless publisher, uh, with a really, really good eye. I have really liked working with Sam. Um, so yeah, Crossroads and, uh, Whispers in the Dark, if you want something with a little more, uh, firepower, uh, but also lots of ghosts. And I'm working on, uh, like I said, the the anthology, uh, The Dead Inside, which is identity horror, um, which maybe sounds a little strange and some people don't know what I mean by that. But I, I sort of along the lines of like, you know, like when you become a parent and you totally lose who you are <laughs> yeah. uh, or people who've had to suppress, you know, um, uh like if they, if they pass for white and, you know, they, uh, they, this is something they haven't necessarily addressed. I've had some conversations with some people, um, you know, they just, ha- and like toxic masculinity, how that affects you. And, and just, I don't know this, this identity inside kind of stuff. I think it's, I think it's kind of ripe and I'm, I'm very excited to read the stories that we've been getting for it. So. Well, great, man. I hope you get lots of, uh, great submissions. I think we already have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm so glad that we asked you to come in here. And I thought yeah. this is a perfect topic for all of us to discuss. So thanks so much. Absolutely. And Thank you for having me on. This I, I've been wanting to, you know, as you know, a lo- I meant to have you on here so long ago. And I felt bad for even saying, you know, I felt like I was just dangling this piece of candy and saying, hey, not, not that this is some huge joy to be on and like a bucket list thing. <laughs> but it but, is. You know, <laughs> just, what are you talking about, man? It's just, a lot of bucket list, right? I mean, just to say, hey, uh, I want to have you on the show. And then like four months later or something, I finally get on here. Maybe it was longer than that. It was a long time. So my apologies. It's not like the world hasn't been on fire for over a year. <laughs> so. But so, yeah, Jeremiah, we're in the, you know, I, no one's going to contact us. So don't bother with the email stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't bother with it. Don't bother with it, guys. But, you know, I'll, I'll still throw it out there because we, you know, we every once in a while. Every once in a while, it's still like a dangling chat, right? Um, but, but no, uh, uh, paleo cheese, it's all paleo cheese, right? With cheese with a Z, P-A-L-E-O-C-H-E-E-Z-E uh, at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter and a Facebook. It's mainly mainly Twitter. We have an Instagram. We haven't really done anything with that one. Uh, and of course, Acast, you can find us on YouTube there. And we, if you comment, we actually have a couple comments, Chad, we got to deal with. We got a couple, man. Oh, people okay. have been, yeah, people have been uh, commenting on some of our stuff there on YouTube, and we're we're trying to get better about it because. Uh, Are these comments just telling you to shut up while you're watching Jaws? One, one of them, <laughs> yeah. dude. Why, why can't you just be quiet? 
And I'm like, well, you know, why can't you just watch, man? Like you're telling me, I mean, you're the one blabbering his mouth during my, you know, reaction video. So you know, it was, I, I'm like, it's my first one I've ever done. Give me a break. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, so, but yeah, um, make sure you, you post comments. We would love to engage with you there. And if you have any suggestions, not only for topics, but also for, uh, for guests and stuff like that, we're, we're, it's an open invitation. We, we open it up and say, we'd love to hear uh, what you have to say. And, uh, if it's good, if it's cream of the crop type stuff, you may find it here on paleo tools. That'll do it, man. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>